What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Uncensored Critic Podcast. Thank you for joining me again for another episode. I really appreciate your support, so thank you so much. Uh, and you join me for another episode with a fantastic guest, and that is Mr. Doug Kerr, the recently What's On Stage award-winning graphic designer and art director who designs for brands, books, and for the theatre with over 18 years of experience. Doug began his journey at the Cumbria Institute of the Arts to then go on to do his BA at the Liverpool School of Art and Design. From there, he became the junior designer for The Face magazine and then the director at Mercy Limited, an independent arts council funded organization which designs for literary visual art projects as well as live performances and exhibitions. From there, he went to become the director at, and senior designer at Wellmade Studio Limited and now owns his own studio called Studio Doug in London. Links to his Instagram and website is down below in the description where he continues to do his great work uh, in design for theater, books, and brands. And some of his, just a small list of the clients and the people that Doug has worked with include the Bush Theater, the London Borough of Culture, the Royal Exchange Theater, Warner Music, the Playhouse, Pulse Films, and recently Empire Street Productions behind the fantastic show Primer Facey with Jodie Comer. And uh, it was a fantastic design, which he won the What's On Stage Award uh, for graphic design recently. And this is direct quote from Empire Street, which you'll find on Doug's website, amongst many other positive reviews, which is Doug is an artist, innovator and colleague and someone who I view as being uniquely talented. I would be lost without his input. And that's just a small sample of the incredible reviews and showing the incredible work of this man's graphic design. So, Doug, how are you, mate? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Good. Thanks so much for coming on today. I appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. Yeah, great stuff, man. So one thing I'd like to start with, uh, it's a little start question I have, is to begin at the beginning. Where did they all start for you? Where did the love of art and graphic design start for you? Um, it's quite a weird one because I don't think I can pinpoint it, but I feel like I always knew that's what I was going to do, which mm. is a really odd, you know, I'm not some like guy who had a great calling or anything, but I was thinking about this recently and what I kind of remember is being at school and my granddad had always kind of said, you should get into advertising because that's where the money's at, you know, mm. and that somehow I was like, okay. And then uh, some undefined point that kind of changed to the more sort of graphic design specific area um which i really can't i don't know i guess maybe like enjoying drawing football kits and football crests you know all the yeah. sort of 14 15 year old activities so I, I suppose i quite like doing stuff like that and then you know slowly but surely our sort of design technology classes started introducing little projects where you could design a logo for the, whatever you were building you know and uh, i just was really into it and I, so yeah from from kind of like heading into the a levels i was like yeah, I'm going to be a graphic designer without really genuinely not actually knowing what it was, to be honest. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, kind of coming out the back of the A-levels, then I was like, okay, that's definitely what I'm doing. Um, and that's how I ended up at uh, the Cumbria Institute because that's where I needed to do a foundation course to get the qualification I needed to get on a graphic design course. Mm. So it all feels, maybe it was different in reality, you know, but this is my memory of it, is it just felt like, I, I knew what I was doing. I had a very singular vision that that's what I was going to go and do. Yeah. I, I never sort of deviated from it. Fantastic. Um, so do you remember the, the first logo or the first design that you ever created? <laughs> Apart from football crests. Like, I, I probably anything. can actually, because it would have been in my uh, 
we had to like design sort of a clothing label brand in our CDT class. I'd have been like 15 probably. Mm. And it was probably terrible. I think it, I think it might've been called Envy. I just really, I'm thinking about now. I can remember drawing it onto a coat hanger. (laughs) (laughs) Do you still have the coat hanger? (laughs) Sadly not, no. (laughs) Lost in design. But uh, if you mentioned football there, do you still, do you still follow football much? Who's your team? Carla, where I'm from. Carla, very Carla nice. United, yeah, having a good season. Having a good season. I know, how are you guys doing? I don't really follow follow football like in there. Was it, were you guys League One? League, league two? two. So, two. like, you know, fourth, the fourth league down. But we're in second place, so we're doing well. Yeah. You worked working your way up, man. Working your way up. Yeah, just like I was. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh, tell me about your time at university. What was it like um, getting to grips with? Because you know, I did a degree in in dramas, and it was more like a theory approach to um to to, to the craft, so not so much practicality as I would have liked. So yeah, what was your degree like? Was it more hands on? I, I think it was quite similar. You know, like we, there were I remember there were some very small occasions, kind of towards the end, where we were a little critical of what we'd learned because we'd almost been given a bit too much freedom, and as as it got down to crunch time, we were like oh, there's loads of things we don't actually really know. <laughs> um, I think that was really just a wobble. And actually, we had an amazing time there. It was a really great course with brilliant tutors. And I've carried it with me to this day, really. I'd, I've never really got my head around why, but at Liverpool School of Art and Design, they called the course graphic arts rather than graphic design. And it might have just been because illustrators came on as well and we we're all kind of sharing the same course. Hmm. Um, they really kind of encouraged us to... Um, just think differently and like, be, you know, not really be set on things. I, I, know, I remember the friends that were at graphic design courses in other cities at the same time. Mm. You know, if you kind of chat to them when you went back home for Christmas or something, it sounded like they were really, really, you know, focusing on the real technicalities of the job. And I'd be thinking, do you know what? God, my last project, I'd made a film, <laughs> which <laughs> was completely pointless and but fun, you know. <laughs> and I think that was what we took out of it is, we definitely got like a lot of um, confidence in our decision making, perhaps by the end of it. Mm. Um, and there were a couple, there were a handful of really good tutors there that really kind of just, you know, encouraged that. Um, and so when we came out of it, we kind of felt like we could do anything, which is probably quite a good thing, I guess, from uni. Yeah. So, so what what would you say was like the the tools that um, university gave you for like those first? So you that you learned there and then you graduated and then you were sort of put in a position where you had to go and find work and you know you went on to uh where did I say it was from uh you, well yeah so I got yeah I was quite lucky to spend a bit of time at the face I mean I wasn't there for long it was kind of a sort of um it was like a scheme that they did with Levi's so mm. they were trying to find like hot young designers and then put them into the face for kind of six weeks at a time I think it was Mm. Um, and then they would they would essentially just be working on the mag with everyone else but they'd also get to design a little mini section in the middle um, which was done by them and they were also bringing in uh, writers on the same scheme so then you'd sort of create a little mini magazine together mm-hmm. uh, but that wasn't that actually wasn't straight out of uni so I that was probably a couple of years later when I when I graduated basically I had you know in terms of tools that they gave me I had you know I can do spirit and a portfolio of work mm. and I was in the same boat as every other graphic design graduate in the country which was just you know passing that around 
any studio that I like the look of and saying like, please, you know, give me an internship. If there's any junior positions available. Um, and none of that went anywhere. Uh, and so I ended up, I mean, I, I ended up, the thing, big thing for me was that I didn't want to go back to Carlisle. So I stayed in Liverpool, mm. uh, which is where I was studying and with no plan whatsoever and had a lovely summer just on the dole having a great time <laughs> but then by the end of it I was like I actually need money so I kind of randomly fell into this job uh, in a mobile phone shop I worked in a mobile phone shop which I ended up working there for about four or five years um, but once I had that kind of security so I knew that I had a place to live in Liverpool and I had money coming in then I tried to just keep finding opportunities for design work, which wasn't, there was not really much out there. Um, but then me and a good friend, we started making a fanzine because we were just like, well, we've got lots of fun, silly ideas. And we kind of lived in this little micro scene in Liverpool anyway, with mm. like loads of artists and poets and things that all went to the same two pubs every day. So we just made a little fanzine for them, which was really the main intention of it was just to keep us busy and not sort of forget what we've learned. Hmm. Um, but as luck would have it, that kind of got quite a good rep. And so we did that. That was called Mercy. Hmm. And that we didn't ended up doing that magazine for about four years, funded by us being in work, albeit selling mobile phones. <laughs> um, uh, but then little things started to offshoot from that. So, you know, we got other people came on board and it became more of an arts organization and we put on exhibitions. Um, and then slowly but surely people started to say, well, oh, we've heard of you and you can design. So will you design this for us? So it's really mm -hmm. small things and it took a long time. But the sort of the the time from getting my degree to saying, let's make this into a business mm. uh, where we actually are designers. That was four years. So in that four-year period, I was selling mobile phones in Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday. <laughs> I suppose like you could get some. Was there, did, did the mobile phones ever give you any inspiration, like with the designs or anything of the way that they did? Uh, no, it was, it was not <laughs> mobile phones. <laughs> yeah, I suppose because that, that that might have been a different time you know, if we didn't have iPhones or anything. I, I don't know. I just thought maybe. Like the way that the mobile phones worked at the time, it might have been like some sort of inspiration. I don't know, silly thoughts. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so that was. I, I have a few questions about your process, but now you mentioned their exhibitions in a way. So um, and you know, I've been to a couple, and they seem to be like, you know, a huge undertaking, like so much planning, so much things like to do, etc. So, tell me about some of the work you've done in exhibitions, and how did you how you prepared for them, and what goes into it? Well, I mean, I think that was just quite a thrilling time for us in general because we were you know like just not long out of uni you know early 20s living the life of Riley having a great mm. time in Liverpool with a really good like circle of friends and kind of you know people on the outside of that and lots of really great connections so yeah. making the fanzine was like a, just an amazing experience because it was it was kind of stupid and silly and it it really it took the piss out of Liverpool but in a way that was for, out of love you know um, and people seem to really like that. So we were just doing this thing and we were doing it kind of for ourselves, but also kind of hoping to be noticed. Mm. But but the sort of what was actually happening without us really setting out to do it was we were sort of building this little community. Um, 
and everyone was kind of having each other's backs and just trying to sort of showcase each other's work. Mm. So yeah, in the end, that just kind of naturally became like, well, let's put on an exhibition. So yeah, we managed to get some money together and, you know, they're always like in little small spaces. It was just, it was always just a case of saying there's loads of really great artists in this city. And I use the term artists very broadly from designers to writers, to poets, to people making music or whatever. And for us, it was always just like, you know, no one seems to notice them. So let's just make them get noticed. So that was always our intention, whether it was like putting on a little gig or an exhibition. Mm. The good thing in Liverpool is you've got the biennial every two years. So it's like quite a big international arts yeah. um, event festival. And uh, I don't know if they really still do it now, but they used to get put quite a lot of attention on what they called the independent strand. And it was a bit almost like fringy. So mm. you, anyone could put something on during the biennial and be sort of considered to be part of it. So that was a really good time for us because then we could, you know, go to a lot of trouble to kind of put these things on that people couldn't mm. see. Oh, fantastic. Um, so so let, let, let's talk about your process then. So, you know, you've mentioned there like what, what you wanted to like put together, what you wanted to, wanted to show when it comes to demonstrating your work. So for anyone who's not, it hasn't got to grips, like someone like me, like I see graphic design as, you know, I see the final product like with, mm prima facie and stuff like that which we'll talk about in a bit um so how do you sort of sum up your role as a graphic designer whether it's for a theater a book or a brand etc and what's your process when you start and how how and where do you start um I mean I suppose like the slightly crappy answer is it really varies from job to job um, you know, there's a lot of jobs come in that are just quick, you know, you look at it and go, oh, just do that. And then it's done. Um, <laughs> but generally speaking, um, I, it all hinges on collaboration for a start. You know, you've got mm. to get on with the person you're working with and have a understand their vision and be working together to achieve that. You know, whenever a design job goes wrong, which has happened to all of us, it's usually because there's some kind of clash in that relationship where you know at its most poisonous maybe you've fallen out or you know you just you know done a disagreement but at, at its most gentle you just might not be on the same page and that mm. can happen just because maybe you haven't asked the right questions at the beginning or sometimes you know personalities just don't quite you know just people aren't quite on the same wavelength mm. so if you can nail that collaboration aspect I think that's like the most important part of the job really because mm. You know, we're not fine artists. We're not just out here creating stuff that we think looks beautiful and it doesn't matter to hell what everyone else thinks. Like we are essentially being hired by a client who mm. needs something. Um, so then the reason it can vary is, you know, that client might hire you with a very, very specific vision or that client might hire you and have no idea what they want, but they can at least in talking to you you might extrapolate some information that they haven't thought of or you know you might see something that they're not seeing and that that's where it gets quite interesting because then you, you know it's really satisfied when you have that first moment where you say well here's, here's loads of ideas and something will just they'll attach onto it hmm. so yeah I mean like process you know it's all about those early the early the initial briefing and those early conversations and just making sure that you don't feel like there's nothing you know as the designer because I, I just ask questions until I'm out of questions basically um and I think from there there's just some kind of rough or process 
you know, a lot of a lot of big design studios will say to you, oh, we've pioneered this uh, design process. And, you know, it's got names for each stage. And, you know, they're broadly right. I'm, I'm not dissident, but the, the reality is it's just kind of there's a, a moment, there's chaos and then there's order. And somewhere in that is yeah. a solution that everyone's happy with. <laughs> it's a very reminiscent of the rehearsal room. Process. <laughs> yeah, <I> bet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have those weeks or those days where you think, oh, God, what's this, this show is going to go down the pipeline. What was the point of even <laughs> doing this? And then it comes together and you're like, okay, that's why we're doing it. And it's yeah, all going to yeah. be fine. Um, so, yeah, man. Uh, so if it's interesting, if it's okay to ask this, um, you, you mentioned there, like, um, there's always, you know, obstacles in the way of, um, you know, of creating some designs. And what, what's been uh, a time where you found, something particularly hard to design and and in a way how did you sort of how do you sort of get over find that thing of ugh, words I can't find I can't find the right words to say this right now <laughs> and, and how, how do you sort of you know pick pick yourself back up after like like yeah. if something goes wrong or if a design it's, doesn't go down as well as you thought luckily for me it's not happened much um, that's good when it does happen, it, do, it if you've got a job that just goes fatally wrong, like, you know, you sack the client or the client moves on from you, which has happened to me in both ways. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not a good feeling, you know, um, and it can affect you for a little while because it knocks your confidence. Um, and really the only thing that sort of fixes that is just the next good job you do. Um, yeah, and luckily they tend to be, come around more often than a bad job you know <laughs> so, um and, and like you know really great advice for anyone who's younger designer is knowing when it's time to get out of a job because I, I think we all make that mistake earlier yeah. in our career where a job's not going well um and perhaps the client you know it, it for whatever reason it won't be going well not necessarily because the client's a nasty person but you know yeah, it's not sure. going the way anyone wants and you feel like you've done all you can mm. sometimes it's best just to get out you know <laughs> sometimes it's just not worth the aggro so you know yeah. i think when you get to that sort of stage of your career and you just say do you know what i don't actually have to do this one i can just walk away from it then um yeah. it's always a good feeling yeah, protect That's how you get over it quickly. You just you just be the first one to pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, protect your peace. You know, don't don't get dragged yeah. into it. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about how you know I've had a few people on here who are movement directors and stuff, and you know writers, and they always talk about um like if they hit a wall or they have writer's block or movement block or something. Um, does it is would it be say like do you have like graphic designers block? Is there is there and is oh man yeah. Them? Yeah, and I, I, you know, almost at the start of every single job, really, you know, like there's always that daunting moment where you just think, yeah. "Oh, blimey, here we go." Especially when I did, um, you know, do you know, Lift Festival. I, I designed all their campaigns. Well, I've been doing all their stuff for the last few years now, but oh, wow. they got called in for the 2020 festival, which sadly never made it because of COVID. Mm. Um, it was the brief I got given for that when they first invited me to meet was like a designer's dream it was really really you know big ideas and you know a lot of quite an open brief in terms of what they wanted but the ideas behind it were huge mm. uh, and it's exactly what you want to see but also it was terrifying and it was, it was a horrible <laughs> job to begin because I just I was just like I really want to do a good job on this but I'm just scared that I have to push myself 
you can get into a quite a nice little routine, you know, where mm. you, I'm not saying you're not pushing yourself, but people come to you and you kind of know what they want and you just, it's just turning over nicely and everything's going well. But this was very much a brief where I was like, they really want me to kind of like, you know, push myself and like be as conceptual as possible, which is, you know, all you ever ask for. But then yeah. it's funny when that lands in your lap, you're like, oh God, I've got to work doubly hard here. So that was genuinely, I said to them in the meeting, I was just like, I'm actually scared of this brief, but we'll come yeah. up with something. And it's one of my favorite jobs actually. Oh, great. Yeah. So what was the finished product like, you know, seeing it all just all around, you must've been quite, a, you must've been quite proud. Well, it was bittersweet because it never quite made it because of COVID. So we got to the point where 10,000 oh. brokers dropped and then COVID, we all got locked down kind of the week after. So oh. the most exciting part of that job would have been seeing like the posters going up around London and then being at the festival, which was a really brilliantly programmed festival. Um, mm. But sadly, <laughs> it never happened. So it was, you know, it was still a really, really, uh, it, one of, definitely one of the jobs I'm most proud of for sure. Right. So it was still felt good, but it was a shame it never really saw its full potential. Yeah. Do you think now we're sort of now we're out of all that? Do you think do you think they'll your your designs will reemerge or you'll get the chance to? Well, to we just kind of because then Lyft they had their they did a kind of micro festival in twenty one, which was some which sort of had some parts of twenty twenty's cancelled stuff. Mm. So we we did a kind of light reworking of the art. And then we had 2022 last year anyway. So we just evolved, you know, we did a new brand for that, which was kind of even better. So it's all good. Yeah. Fantastic. So in terms of like collaboration and stuff, you know, I've got a question written down here, which is um, so how much of it, because obviously it is a team thing, you know, like like I mentioned in the rehearsal room, it's all it wasn't all about one person. So how much of like the way you design is like what percent of it is you and how much of, of it do you think is like guidance or advice from other people and how do you work together to create something um i mean i definitely want to put a percentage on it but the the political and safe answer is that it's 50 50 it probably is because that's a good one you know i can't every literally every micro decision i make is, is rooted in you know the information i got given at the beginning so yeah. Yeah, it's not as if like I, anyone ever steers me into something and says you must make it look like this with this color. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course not. Yeah, have specific things, yeah. but everything just sort of bleeds into it. But then, and also, like I'm not particularly. I would like to think I don't have much of an ego as a designer, so I'm always the first person to go back to the client saying, you know, I'm super stuck. Like here's I've got here, and this isn't what I want to show you, but I, I'm stuck. Um, yeah, and it's it's really helpful to me to be that honest because usually we'll get over it together. Um, so I really need my clients as well to help me as much as I'm hope I'm helping them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you get, you get Holy grail jobs where you are just on fire, you know, you get the brief yeah. you go away and you're like, I've got this, I know what I'm doing. You do it. Mm. They love it. It's out the door in no time at all. Uh, and they're brilliant. Uh, and even, but even then I don't think I would really say that was all me, you know, like it's still, it was still probably a really good brief or some really good inspiration. Yeah. I've just done um, Macbeth for English Touring Theatre and mm. um, it's gone so well. <laughs> it's been yeah. such a, like, it's been a really easy job, but like not, not because none of us tried hard, but because I had a really great brief from them in the first place. And then 
kind of rustled up just a few roofs and they literally like one of the roofs and I was like okay let's tweak it yeah and that's like I mean we talk about things you took from university we had one tutor called John Young who sadly passed away about 10 years ago mm. he he was really famous he had loads of uh, you know great advice and he's a real character and lots of kind of catchphrases that we would repeat behind his back but like one of the big ones was he'd just say things like he'd he'd see something that you'd presented to him at the end of a project that was like super polished you know you spent ages and he was he'd go back through your sketchbook to where you first did it and he'd say that's it just blow that he used to say just blow it up uh, and we used to always joke and say that to each other just blow it up but he's dead right and that's that literally you know is affecting the way I did that my best thing last month which is that yeah someone likes the rough you're like well yeah I'll give it a bit of a tidy but essentially it's there it's already if it's had that reaction straight away yeah don't overdo it you know just just blow it up <laughs> exactly so you mentioned there about um the sketchbooks and stuff I had a question down here which was um do you when you create a design do you do you flesh it all out by hand by any sketchbook or do you jump straight I to don't. designs I don't, to be honest, that's probably a bad failing on my part because it's kind of what I was taught to do at university. Um, I sort of think the reality, people might feel differently about this to me, but I think the realities of the job when you get into it, um, especially when you get busy and you're juggling multiple projects like I am, is you don't really always have the luxury. You know, when when you're learning your craft and stuff at university, you've got weeks and weeks for a project and one project at a time, you know, and you go to the library and you do all your research and then you print some things out and you stick them in a book. And then, and it's a great way of working. You come up with some really cool things that way. But then when you're actually at the coalface, it's like, can I get some ideas tomorrow? And you're like, okay, straight on the computer. I mean, I can't draw either. So I'm not really a sketchbook person I, I mean I've got you okay. can see it here this is my this is my book that I've always got and it's just full of to-do lists and maybe just making notes so I mean I'll, I'll make notes for sure and just think about things out loud in my sketchbook but mm. I don't draw things or uh, apart from maybe if I was art directing a photo shoot and I couldn't find the right reference image I would definitely draw like a stick man yeah uh composition that's about as good as it gets. <laughs> Do you ever have? Um, I I get this image of like you like walking down the street and you've got your sketchbook like in your bag and then you see something on the other side of the road <laughs> and you go, like, I've got to, I've got to sketch that. I've got to sketch uh, that. I wish it was that romantic. No, you do. <laughs> I mean, like we touched on that before about how you get over. You know, there's that one area we talked about about how you get over a job that's gone bad, but we didn't yeah. really get onto how do you just get over designer's block. And the reality is, it's just, it is moments like that. Like when you're least expecting it, just something will come to mind. Usually yeah. kind of when I'm in the shower or, you know, <laughs> walking around town. <laughs> Quite often walking around town, actually, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, and then you think, but then I don't carry, I don't, I'm not so uh, bookish as to then sit down and write it all down, but I'll just try and I'll tell myself to remember. and I've got a good memory. Yeah. So I'm just curious, at your time in Liverpool at university, was there, and you were doing your research and, you know, as you say, in the library and stuff, was there a particular designer or designer's work that you came across in your research that really inspired you and really helped, sort of you took a lot of what they did and applied it to your own, to your own process? Um, yeah, there was actually. Um, I mean, there was, a, there was a few designers and studios that we all kind of fanboyed and you know, we're obsessed with and that they all influenced us kind of aesthetically for sure. 
the designer that really sort of changed how I work and which I'd think about now actually and still you know if ever I see like a tweet where people are saying what are your recommendations on design books it's always top of my list is Bob Gill Mm. Uh, and he he's got quite a few good books he's more of an illustrator I guess but um he's the way that he sort of talks about receiving a brief but then rewriting it so it makes sense to you is a re- it's such a great simple bit of advice but it's like you quite often on a design job and not so much in working with theatre but you know if you get say a rebrand job come through and someone's some big organisation they've, they've probably already gone through loads of focus groups and board meetings to get to the point where they've authorised a budget to do a rebrand yeah. and you might get like you know eight ten pages of A4 about who we are and what we're about blah, blah, blah. and that's really helpful and good to know but it's a horrible document to refer back to mm. when you start designing. Yeah. And it's a really great way of starting a job is to just go, how do I distill that into a paragraph? Which is like, I need to do this, you know. And it, once you sort of crack that up, um, everything changes really. So definitely when I was kind of like in the, getting into the second year of uni and thinking, I don't really know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> I just thought it was like making cool designs without any sort of real thought behind them. That mm. uh, was sort of just, uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure what was going on, to be honest. And then I read that book and I was like, ah, right, okay. <laughs> and that, so that really changed my university experience, but it's still kind of like at the back of my mind to this day, really, how I work. Mm, that's great and in terms of when you create your designs or what, what's the best software would you what which one would you recommend what platform do you do you use um well yeah i kind of work entirely in adobe creative suite so i, I spend most of my days just flitting between photoshop and indesign with a little bit of illustrator um it's not about the program obviously <laughs> but uh <laughs> That is, you know, that's kind of my whole life, really. I, you yeah. know, everyone's into Figma now, and I do have it, and I occasionally use it, but um, I don't really do that kind of type of design. Figma is great if you do, I don't know, website designs, but yeah, I'm, I'm either creating artwork, which revolves around a lot around Photoshop, or I'm designing things that the artwork's being used in. So, you know, programs and press ads and posters, which mm. is an inside. So that's my life. Yeah, it says sat by the computer or drawing. I can see it now. It's great. <laughs> um, so one one particular thing about um, your CV, which I really want to talk about today, is your work on um, uh, Prima, Fa- no, sorry, Prima Facey, <laughs> which we talked about before. You know, we were speaking just before we came on, and I said, oh, Prima Facey, oh, I love the design. And you were like, yeah, well, Prima Facey, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I still, I still like. I'm questioning myself now. I'm, I'm ninety percent is Prima Facey. I think yeah. that's the point. yeah. Because yeah, because yeah, we had Kate, Go- I had Kate Godfrey on the show, and I said that, and she went, yeah, she talked about it. She was like yeah. Prima Facey, and I thought, oh god, was that was that? Did I say it wrong? <laughs> I was like, oh great. But um, but yeah, man. I just wanted to. I said this to you off air, but I said this to you um for the case of the recording and stuff. But yeah, your design for Prima Facey was I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was really really lovely, and um, it really capsulated for. So for anyone who hasn't uh, seen the play or know knows anything about it, um, it's about a young lawyer called Tessa who defends a lot of people in um. Uh, sexual assault cases and uh it's her journey into the law and how she 
basically um helps defend people against such things and the the design i thought was beautiful like the composed side of tessa played by jodie coma of course and uh the sort of the inner voice of of tessa as well and i thought you really really encapsulated it really really well man and uh and of course you won a, a what's on stage award for your for your yeah. work on that as well so i wish I, we'll talk about that in just a moment but yeah talk, tell me about your involvement in prima facie with uh prima facie sorry where's, <laughs> where's, 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 i should never have told you no it doesn't um, matter no, it's all good <laughs> so where, where did it all start um, did, uh, well, Empire it, I mean, it starts with james the producer james beerman who mm as Empire Street Productions, mm-hmm. we we already were working together. So he he invited me to meet him. I don't know, I don't know what year, actually, maybe 2018, 17. Uh, it, it wasn't long after I'd gone solo. So, I mean, to, to just to kind of the quick potted history is when we, you talked about my career before, mm-hmm. all those companies I worked for we, was just me and my friends. So we just, we started the fanzine. We made it into a business. We changed the business name at one point. Mm. Um, and then eventually I went solo in 2017 to focus kind of specifically on this niche area of work. So it wasn't really long after I'd gone solo that James had me, he invited me around to his office and he'd seen a lot of the work I do for Bush Theatre. And yeah, we just had a good chat and he was kind of talking about how he was going to start producing under Empire Street Productions. Mm-hmm. And he his dream would be to kind of have this ongoing partner who just does all this design stuff for him um, and try to not fall into the trap of working with all the big agencies who were brilliant, by the way. But mm. I think he just sort of didn't want to have that kind of relationship with a really big company where you know different designers are working with you he was just like who can come on board with me and just be my guy Mm. Um, so luckily for me you know he liked my work portfolio and I got a script off him that play never happened then we did Killer Joe with Orlando Bloom and we did True West with Kit Harrington and Johnny Flynn Mm -hmm. Um, and then COVID hit, <laughs> just as we, the pillow man at the time had just been announced, but then that obviously didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and then coming out of the back of COVID, he emailed me and said, he was like, long, you know, long time, no speak. Here's a script for you. Uh, that was primer. Um, and so, yeah, we just took it from there. So it was, it was kind of, you know, we, we, we've kind of got this accepted agreement that I'm his designer basically. So once he had a script, you know, the call was coming straight to me and we sort mm. of took it from there. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, well, where did the design start from? What made you, what were your initial first designs and then how did you create the... Um, it was, <laughs> the initial concept was weird. I mean, not like, I think, I don't think it would have landed as well. It was quite cool, but we were yeah. going to do this sort of surrealist image you've probably seen you'll have seen something like this before where you've maybe got like a face looking on at you but then the second half of the face is in profile so it's like mm. the nose is where the ear is a bit kind of picasso-y but sort okay. of a bit more like photographic yeah um that sounds cool actually the, <laughs> I, yeah i mean i've still got the um all the initial drafts and stuff and it was quite That's cool cool yeah but um it did feel a bit I don't know, not very West End. Hmm. It would have been a cool image. I, I, I don't think it would have landed as well. Uh, it might have put people off. Um, 
But I mean, what's really great about working with James, nine times out of 10, when I'm working on a theatre artwork job, you've probably been hired by a marketing department. So, you know, I've been I've been doing all the work for the Bush Theatre since kind of 2014. And that's through a really strong relationship with their marketing team. Um, and the marketing team obviously might go through changes over the years and different mm-hmm. teams come in. And then essentially you and the marketing team are then you're working for them, but you're also working in tandem to sort of win over the artistic director of the theatre, the director of the play, maybe the writer as well. There's a lot of people to keep happy. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, working with James is a really interesting difference because you just got a direct line to the producer and it's just us two. We just decide between us what we're doing. Um and we might get into some outside opinions. And James also just has got really good taste and, you know, likes design and art, which really helps. So mm. my experience of a new, any new play with James is that he'll say, here's the script. I've got some thoughts already. Let's have a chat when you've read it. Um, and then I'll probably have some thoughts from the script and we'll kind of just share those ideas. And really, I mean, thinking about it, most of the shows we've done have then... It, the, that initial kernel is what we've gone with and there's not there's never really been like a really dramatic um u-turn mm. the process uh with primer you know we kind of focused on this surrealist thing for a bit and we had ages as well like you know he was he was on at me once he'd kind of decided to do the play but there was no kind of like the play wasn't about to happen or he was fairly sure he'd get Jody, but I don't think it was confirmed. So, you know, it's still very much just a kernel of an idea. So we had loads of time just to just to play around with ideas, really. And we tried that. And then we tried some kind of more fragmented and sort of split screen type stuff. But we always kind of knew, you know, we go back to this um, idea that prima, prima facie is a legal term that means, you know, at first sight or, or you know, kind of on the face first impression so it's like a legal term where you just take take something at face value so we kind of knew it had to be about her face partly because you know that's literally what the title's about but also you know it's a one woman show with Jodie Comer let's not overthink (laughs) let's not overthink this because that face has got to sell tickets right so there's (laughs) Um, it's a lot easier working on a show like that than when you've got, say, two or three casts um, yeah. that you've got to try and sort of juggle together. So, you know, and we, you know, our, our our tastes are quite aligned in that we quite like bold, stark imagery. So, mm. it was always going to be in that world, um, and we was just trying to sort of get it over the line. Like nothing, we were just working with like photos from Google Photos we found of her, and just trying to figure out what we liked and things were like okay but not exciting they'd have been fine to go with but they didn't excite us and then it's that's one of those (laughs) not that I I definitely wasn't walking down the street with a notebook in my pocket but there must have been some point where I suddenly was thinking oh well double exposure is a good technique for this because what we're really what we kept coming back to was these two faces of Tessa so it was, it was really just a case of we know what the concept is, but we just can't decide what the application is. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, oh, well, what about double exposure? Um, so we had like a Pinterest board of loads of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and funnily enough, then I decided I took took against it quite vividly, actually. And I was thinking, I don't think we All should right. do this. I just don't. 
I, don't, I was like, I don't think it's the way to go. Cause uh-huh. that's mainly because all the references we had were sort of quite flashy fashion photos. Hmm. And it just didn't feel totally right. So I was a bit like off it. And I, was, I remember when the shoot was coming up, I was kind of saying to Helen, the photographer, oh, I hope we get some other shots as well, because I'm just not sure this is the way to go. Um, and then I was just entirely wrong, obviously. <laughs> as, literally, <laughs> as soon as we put it together, like literally the first draft, I was like, oh, I'm completely wrong. Yeah, this is the way to go. Amazing. Amazing. And um, so, yeah, tell me about the um, the photo shoot as well. Like, and, the, and obviously you knew what kind of shots that you, you wanted to get. So how did you... Obviously, you got the photographer there directing um, Jody and doing all, and doing all, all her stuff. But and like, what's your, what sort of from a graphic design perspective? What would what do you want? What did you want Jody to do? And what do you want uh, like actors to do when you're working with them in the in the studio? It's a it's a, always a weird experience. I've been doing it for a few years now, and it's still a funny experience because I, I don't the title art director anyway. I don't love. It always, it makes, maybe I'm just being too like <laughs> humble, I'm not sure, but it just feels so grandiose. I don't really love it. But then I, I am more than a graphic designer, so it is probably right. But I don't like, it's always quite funny going on shoot as the art director because yeah. the photographer's doing like really hard job, you know, doing a great job of it. And essentially all you're really doing is standing there going, uh, yeah, move that way a bit. Uh, try a nice expression. And then every now and again, you look in the camera and go, yeah, they look great. And then you sort of don't say anything for 20 minutes and just watch. So it's a weird thing because, you know, you are bringing something to the table, but you feel like you're not. Maybe it's just me, but it's mm. a funny thing. So, um, but I've got I've got better over the In the first few shoots I ever did, I was just like, what, <laughs> what am I doing, you know? Um, and then you sort of start to realize, you, you sort of like, okay, I do know what I'm doing here. So, I mean, luckily for me, that shoot came deeper into my career of doing that. So I was confident. But mm. yeah, it's, I suppose basically you went into that shoot and we knew it's quite an easy one to shoot, really, because we knew we just wanted two types of portrait, like a still barrister and then um, her normal clothes, you know, screaming. So it was a really clean idea with not lots of different setups you know I quite often I go and shoot so maybe we're going to try and get four or five different concepts and compositions and that takes a long time but and also Jody doesn't always have a lot of time so I can't yeah. imagine I can be probably out about two hours altogether okay um but yeah so it was, I mean like from Helen's perspective Helen Murray she just had a truck camera on a tripod and we had a black backdrop and then Jody just came in and we all had a chat and that's kind of where my job comes in really is just to kind of, she, she'd already spoke to James an email, but it's just for me to kind of show the references and say, look, this is what we're trying to achieve here. Mm. So can you do these expressions? Yeah. Um, and luckily for all of us, Justin Martin, the director, he came over for it as well, oh, wow. which uh, chatting to Jodie about it, I think she thought that that was really great for her as well because that was her first, it wasn't her first time meeting him, but it was the first time she sort of took direction from him. So that was like a nice way for them to kind of get to know each other in that mm. context. Yeah. And great for me because I can kind of, even though I kind of input it as well, th- there's that sense of everyone's got what they want from this because they were all here, you know. Mm. So yeah. there's never that danger of coming. You can come out of a shoot sometimes and then it goes to someone higher up and they don't love it and then that's that's a problem because the shoot's yeah. finished so it's yeah. really nice to have all the people that matter on, on there on the shoot mm. um and i wouldn't normally do this but because we kind of knew how, exactly what we were going to do with the images 
I was kind of just making drafts, just sticking faces together on the shoot as they came into my computer. Mm-hmm. So really, by the time we were all saying our goodbyes, we'd, we'd essentially signed it off. I mean, we, we went through quite a few more revisions, um, me and James after, but the the broad prints like we basically had a Jody sign off from the end of the shoot because she'd seen it and was like, well, I know the faces might change, but the whole red and blue purple background, you know, mm. it's, it's a yes for me, you know, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, what made you want to go with that uh, specific color design, that that color grading in in that poster? Um, well, partly because the technique that we used only really you probably only get three options, like red and blue. I think green and yellow and pink and something um so blue and red was the only one that looked good number one also we from from earlier on in the process we wanted purple to be a key color for us because we sort of it's kind of a legal color i think they use purple ribbons to bind um legal filing documents and stuff so we, we'd already kind of set on purple as our like brand color so the blue and red really helped us with that I mean, actually, we don't. We very rarely use like a straight up purple, but the background is just a very sort of very dark purple. If you've ever noticed, <laughs> I suppose you know the choice of color becomes such a huge, a huge part of it uh, in the of, of the final design. Would would you say? Um, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think there are a lot of things that you don't. Um, well, no, I think you're right. Actually, yeah, I think color is usually comes up quite a lot in the early conversations on an issue because even when I do if I do a photo shoot for say the Bush Theatre which are much more kind of like folk, like realistic setups you know where we put someone in a kitchen or you know mm-hmm. um, they're much more like portraiture you know we still have to think really hard about what are they wearing you know mm-hmm. where what's the location so um, yeah colour does come into it quite a lot actually it, there's not there's very there's not always meaning to the color but it's still like you know you still you try to convey a mood with any of these jobs that uh, all all you can really do with these projects is say is sell a mood and a tone you know um and color comes into that for sure Mm. so when it comes to um well actually just before i ask that question i think you know as as i said earlier i mean it it seemed with that design i mean the, the whole the shoot process sounds like a really smooth process. Like yeah, it really was, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just like all the way through. And then there's your design and obviously a few tweaks and stuff, but you got it down and everything. Um, but yeah, man, I, it was a really, really beautiful poster. And I think one that, you know, I, I, I take my hat off to you. It really, really encapsulated the the theme of the play, the character and, and everything. I think Thank you. Uh, it was spectacular. So it's, I mean, it's worth, it's also worth kind of pointing out. It's not, like it's not highly original, like you know, bit being uh, fair, you know, it's just hmm. a double exposure technique is you know as has been around for years and years, and you know yeah. you can go through our Pinterest board and see how often it's been done. Hmm. So it's not as if like we, it's nice to get the award and things, and it's not as if we sort of think, yeah, we did something super new and conceptual. Hmm. But I think the the job more often than not is actually just doing what's right for the job and like i think everything you're saying proves that you know like i think we just had the right technique the right solution for that play basically yeah and then then what's quite interesting for us is i think because of the impact the plays had 
Mm. And it's kind of grown and grown and built this community around it, which none of us could have foreseen. Mm. It, I think personally that then starts to give the art sort of new meaning. And it sort of, it, it almost doesn't feel like my art now. Like it's just become, it's outgrown us now and it's out there and it's among the community. Mm. And it sort of, it kind of takes on more of an iconic status where and I can say that because I don't feel like it's mine anymore. Like it just, it takes on this sort of, it takes on a, a bigger status because of everything it's been associated with and the, mm. the impact it's had, I think. Yeah. Did, did you have like a moment in, um, in rehearsal? Or actually, first of all, did, well, did you go into the rehearsal room a lot? Did you, did you get to No, that's not a place for me. I don't get invited. <laughs> <laughs> not even to have a look at design or anything? I don't know. No, but, it, uh... doesn't, it doesn't really affect me. Like the, the, the first thing that once you've kind of announced the play and it goes on sale, the next like really big sort of physical thing for me is always the front of house. Um, mm. And then you do all that, but you know, yeah. you don't actually go near a rehearsal room or, you know, preview nights or anything really. Mm. The it's next, I mean, really my next sort of main interaction with it was opening night, you know, press night. Yeah. And so if you think, was, did you have that moment where you thought, I think you've, you've touched on it just now, but when it, after the play opened, where you thought, well, wow, we've, we've created something really quite spectacular here uh well so i mean on, on a really superficial level press night was great because number one the play was amazing so mm. you come up obviously and i think anyone connected to a play whether you're the actor or director or you know you've got any relationship with that play you want to come out of press night thinking it's brilliant <laughs> right yeah. That, yeah. That's, yeah. that's scary i'm sure you know yeah uh, so it's it's obviously a really good feeling to come out of a show that good and know that your art's on the whole front of house, you know, that but yeah. on a really sort of selfish superficial level, that was like the first like, oh, I'm really, really proud of myself. Um, but really the bigger moment was when we started to realize that people were making fan art. And that's when I was like, oh my God, because yeah. I think something I hadn't really been prepared for on this is that I was aware, you know, Jodie's amazing and I've watched most things she's in and think she's brilliant and I'm aware she's, you know, well-known and famous. Yeah. I wasn't quite prepared for how famous she is. Like she's a proper, <laughs> she's like a global icon that I hadn't, it had it, it had passed me by a little, not anymore, that's for sure. Yeah. But, um, so when we started to realise that the fan engagement on, you know, socials and stuff was through the roof, you were thinking, oh my God, we're connected to like quite a big play here. Yeah. Which again was just like, isn't that good for us? But then slowly but surely, me and Helen, the Helen Murray, we would just be texting each other every time you saw on Instagram, someone would have like made, like someone did an embroidered version of the art. Someone did like a sort of paper cut, you know, there's loads of people, those sketches and digital drawings. And it started snowballing. And I was thinking, this thing is like out of our control. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, also, like the, the reason we stumbled across that is because we realized a lot of people on, you know, websites like Redbubble and stuff were selling sort of counterfeit posters. So we had to get <laughs> But it was kind of, but it, that even that was interesting to think that that was worth something to someone. Um, and then, but the, the fan art was just insane. It was absolutely crazy. Mm. So there's probably still people making it now. There's, there's so much of it. We should really try and collate it one day. Yeah, I, do, I get on the phone to your lawyers and make sure the copyright doesn't get infringed in any way going forward. Yeah, well, it's too, it's too late. It's, the, the horse is bolted, but it's fine because the fan art's 
great it's it's like everyone's put, got their own twist on it so it's not as if people have just gone out and remade remade it in photoshop you know like there's some really really creative and crazy solutions i'm trying to think of the maddest one i saw but i can't remember now there's some really yeah. out there ones the embroidered one was probably one of my favorites there embroidered yeah i think i was someone did a cross stitch that was it it was incredible wow. absolutely amazing Oh, you should have you should have asked for it, <laughs> like a copy of it or something. Yeah, no. Well, I, one day we should probably try and ask everyone to send them in and put them on a gallery or something. But yeah, it's probably do you think you could overwhelming you, to collate it all? Yeah. Do, do you think for your next ex exhibition you could just do solidly prima facie, just like an entire you, wall? Yeah, you absolutely could. Yeah, you could. Yeah, and have have the embroidered one like smack bang in the middle or something, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like everything else around it, like a string. I don't know. You can tell I've got not a lot of experience in graphic design, but um, I don't know. It's this crazy idea. And of course, on top of all that, uh, you won the What's On Stage Award for, is, your, yeah. for, for your work. I mean, and congratulations again, man, and thoroughly, thoroughly well deserved. Um, what was that experience like of going to the award ceremony and hearing your name when you when you was being called? It was amazing and scary and thrilling and made me very tense <laughs> yeah. I think it was uh, my first experience of anything like that and uh I don't know to be honest with you I was like super calm I went with my wife came with me and she was quite nervous on my behalf and I just kept, I was just like it's it's cool you know I'm really glad to get the nomination which is nice because we didn't like chase the nomination we just got an email saying we've been picked so that's really nice that yeah. you don't feel like you were chasing it and going after it i don't think anyone does in what's on stage awards you just get told um so I, I felt really pleased that we'd got the norm anyway uh it was really great um field you know there's some really good art in all the entries so mm. i'd have been i wouldn't have minded really whoever had won um but then i also i you know i did feel confident i felt like we had a good shout yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I went, I went in, and I was like, "Yep, like I belong here. This is all good. This is all good." Yeah. I think the thing that kind of threw me off is that I naively assumed that they would do the awards in kind of reverse order that they'd done the nominations, mm -hmm. uh, starting with like you know, I suppose for everyone in that room with the graphic design categories, the least interesting. So I was like, "Well, I'll be first. I'll be out of the way." And then we sort of work up through the tech stuff into the really exciting, you know, best play, best actor, best actress, best musical. Um, so, and then the very first award was like quite good. And I was thinking, what's going on here? So they they obviously <laughs> jumble it up, I suppose, to make an interesting show. But yeah, I was just sat there. You don't know, you don't know who's won. You mm. don't know what order they're doing it in. No one had really sort of said to me, yeah, you get up and do a speech. So I only really knew that after the first award that that's what's expected of you. So, yeah, it's just, you know, oh, the other thing is to say is that it was a really good show. Like, I were you there? And I wasn't, no. I've, I've been to a What's On Stage Award um, a few years ago. I think Nicole Kidman was in the audience and, it was, oh, wow. and, she, and she came up on stage. She won the award for a play she did in London. She played a scientist. I can't remember the name of the play, but uh, she won it for that. But I remember just being in the, um, it was at the Prince of Wales Theatre in, yeah, in town. Yeah. And uh, I was, we're in the foyer, me and my brother, and we were just looking around thinking, wow, it's, how, how did we end up here? How did we get tickets for this thing? Yeah, it's mad, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. On the one hand, I was just like, 
you know, I belong, I'm happy, I've got the norm, feeling confident. Uh, the show on stage is great, you know, like really yeah. funny hosts, really good uh, sort of musical numbers in between the awards, some great speeches. Mm. Um, but all the while just being like, I really wish they did announce my award soon so I could just get over it. Um, <laughs> and have and a then, drink. Yeah, they announced it. And I, my I th- my wife said that when they announced it, I just said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, stomped up to the stage, and then slightly freaked out. I was fine. I was completely fine going up. And then it's that moment when the the band stops playing and the, everyone backs away so that you can talk, and it's just suddenly really quiet. And yeah. all you can see is white light because I wasn't prepared for the brightness of the light so i was expecting to see a sea of faces and i just had this like <laughs> uh, and then i was just thinking i don't i better start talking and i don't know even though i had a plan to, of who i needed to thank i was just like Bruh. yeah it's like so, luckily for me it came out okay yeah oh it did man i saw the footage on um, instagram so i follow yourself and empire street on instagram as well as what's on stage so i saw the uh the footage no you did it you did great but it's always Don't that feeling like it's that feeling when you walk up on stage and you've rehearsed that speech, but when it's something like an acceptance, well, I've, I haven't done any of those yet, but uh, it's like you walk up and your brain goes, what, 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 yeah. what, 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 what? <laughs> where's the words? Where's the words? Your body's like, I have no idea where the words are. <laughs> you yeah. just would make it up. But, uh, but no, but you, know, you did, no, it was a lovely speech, man. You did well. And um, yeah. So I think it was a great night across the board for the play. You know, you won, uh, Susie Miller won as well. And of course, yeah. Toadie won for you know, her for best actress, Susie for best new play, best writer. And, um, yeah, I think you guys kind of swept the board really in a way. Yeah. Well, we were, we were up for three and we won three, so you can't ask yeah. more than that. Can you? It's really yeah. nice to sort of share. Yeah. Sharing that with those guys really, because they were very richly deserving winners mm. as well. Fantastic. That's it. And I think, when's the next one coming, do you think? When's the next award coming? Well, I mean, I, I'm very much looking at it as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I, I, I'll be thrilled to ever get a nomination again. So don't. that's not me saying I don't want one. But um, <laughs> who knows? The, the, my whole experience with this play just feels like it's been a whirlwind, really. And it's still going on because we've got Broadway coming up in a few weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so it might never be repeated or maybe it will. Maybe we've just hit a rich vein of form and our next play will be just as big. Uh, but, um, sure. I, I think that's all of our experience on it. Like, Jay, you know, chatting to James, the producer, you know, I don't think he's, you know, he's, he's had successful plays before, but none of us, we're all in a whole new world with this play. Like, it's it's not just, like, a mild success. This is a runaway juggernaut that's out of all our controls now. Yeah, I'm sure the the second award's incoming, man. I'm sure it's going to come for you. <laughs> Thank let's, you. So let's um, let's talk about Broadway. Actually, I'm just going to talk about a couple more things. Uh, I know you, I know you got to chew off in a bit, um, but um, yeah. So it's gone to Broadway now as a result, and also you've in your role as designing the process for Broadway, you've gone a step further. You you um, you released like a public uh, offering. You asked people to submit their own pictures to be submitted for the Broadway poster, and if you see the images on Instagram now, guys. Uh, it's made up of a lot of submissions, which a lot of people put their headshots in, pictures of themselves, and how they how the play really touched them. And you you got like thousands of people submit, yeah, stuff, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think and this a lot of this most of this stuff goes back to James, who's just got a really good eye 
Mm. good instincts for things to do and also and i think he's me and him are both quite similar in that we work in theater but we're quite we don't sort of feel bound by what's considered the done thing so i think that affects a lot of the way that we work together that mm. you know we don't always take our a load of press ads which you know a marketing company might say well, you must get this sunday times full page ad you know we're much more interested in just just testing the boundaries of what you can get away with and how you can get into people's heads without just doing a big salesy press up loads of quotes on you know yeah um and the thing you know that one of the moments where you start to realize that this play was becoming its own thing was when people like james and paul who runs the social media started receiving messages from people who'd seen the play just you know initially just there was lots of people that oh thank you so much for putting this play on you know it's a really important topic you know but then they, those messages very quickly became this is my experience and this is my experience and that's really humbling to receive those messages and also like what you know obviously everyone everyone got replied to and we say thanks for sharing mm. um and we're here you know we we hear you but there's this sense of like, well, what, how, you know, this feels like some good should come from this play. Like it doesn't, it, I think James, I saw James say something about this in Jody's interview in Vogue this week that you can't just, you can't just watch this play and then walk away and go, oh, well, that was great. Next one. Like it definitely has like a message that should sort of change you in somehow. Um, it does. Yeah. So it felt to us, well, it felt to James really that, these people sending us messages sort of deserve a way to be seen and heard. Um, and there's all there's already a website called Everyone's Invited. I'm not sure where they're based actually, but we're we're linking up with them in Broadway anyway, where it's essentially mm -hmm. a place for people just to go online and post their sort of survivors' stories of okay. assaults. Um, so I, I guess we're riffing on that. I don't know. I don't know if we knew that existed first or not, but um james just said oh i'd really like to start collating these testimonials and we could put them onto the website so that people sort of can see that they've been heard yeah um, but then it's also just you know again talking about these funny little flashes of inspiration he was flying back from new york not long after the queen died and he just sent me a photo from his phone of one of those like image mosaics which is the queen's face in heathrow and he was just saying, can we do one of these? Uh, and I was like, oh, I've got no idea how to make one of those. I couldn't begin <laughs> to tell you, but okay, fine. Like, if that's what you want to do. Um, and so it's, it's taken a few months, but we've, yeah, we've got this thing made now. And so what, what we ended up doing is we just called it Primer Faces and asked people to submit. So everyone that submitted sent a photo of themselves and a, a short a bit of text about what the play meant to them um and yeah i mean like an, an unbelievably humbling thing to be in receipt of and that, yeah. most of those testimonials now gone up on the website uh and then everyone's face went into the new artwork mm -hmm. um, and there was about 1100 just over wow um in a short space of time we could have kept it going and got more but that was you know over the course of a few weeks we got that many mm. and so everyone is now in Primer Faces Arts, which is now, that's the art we used on the full page New York Times ad last week. 
And that's the art that's ju- just gone up last night outside the John Golden Theatre in New York on a huge um, billboard. Um, and actually also, as of some one day this week, we've got fly posters all around New York as well with that artwork on. So it's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. It seems to have gone down really well with the fans. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was one of those people. I submitted my my picture and everything because I just thought the play really had a, a big impact to me just from a, from an arts perspective and just not only just the design but the play itself and of course I love Jodie and everything as well I think she's just outstanding and yeah I just I really wanted to communicate that also like to you guys as a whole just you know you created a really really special play and really really something from top to bottom from the design all the way through to the actual play itself and yeah I think you know it should shows the incredible work that you did on that Man, thank so you. so so thank you for that thank you for so much um <laughs> i think uh i think have i got any more questions about that um oh yeah i was gonna ask about are you are you gonna go to new york are you are you gonna yeah, go to i literally it? booked my hotel last night actually so oh, yeah. we yeah everyone's gonna try and get out there i think most of the team will be out there for opening night um mm. which will be really exciting yeah um yeah i'll make a little trip out of it it's my 10th wedding anniversary so we're gonna sort hey. of and have an excuse to go without the kids <laughs> <laughs> you could t- you could take her along a uh, brooklyn bridge when when the sun's setting or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah man so yeah you're, you're looking forward to to getting over there and getting getting back yeah, into it, it I, it's the, I mean it's the absolute definition of an ego trip because i'm only going well, I obviously want to see the play again and be part of it, but yeah. essentially I don't need to be there for work reasons. I'm just going, I'm not, I'm not needed on site, put it that way, but I just want to go and see my own posters in New yeah, York. Of course, of course, you know, you go, go and see how it's translated over there, which sounds like it's translated beautifully. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the Americans are going to go absolutely nuts for it personally. We'll, we'll of see. Course. I think they'll just go crazy for the play and Jodie. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be huge. And yeah, that's a good, good luck with all that as well and everything. And of course, Ed, like, what's what's just got two more questions for you, man. Um, so what's what's next for you? What's what you're working on next? If you can talk about your next project, um, I mean, quite a lot of different things. I suppose the most significant would be the Pillow Man, which is this summer because that's also with Empire Street. So that's our next play together. Yeah, which we started designing to go on sale. You know, it should have been performing in uh, the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. So we we did basically most of the design work in 2019 uh, and launched it and then sort of obviously went off sale, but now it's back on and it'll be this summer. Um, also, you know, another one where we've gone for quite a striking piece of art that's a bit different. Um, so, yeah, we've sort of tested the, we're just testing boundaries again with that one because it's just like an illustration. I, I don't, I don't really think at any point we'll change the art to include the cast. So we are just gonna we're just fully committed to this kind of spooky face we've got. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a big one, yeah. And then like, yeah, just I mean, I've always just got ongoing stuff like like I say, I do everything for the Bush Theatre, so there'll be loads coming mm. up there, no doubt. And Lyft Festival next year, the next iteration of that. Um I've just done a bunch of stuff for Northern Stage and Shakespeare North Playhouse and yeah. Art Theatre. Great. Well, I look forward to seeing all of it, man. It's going to look, it's going to look great. And uh, so, just and f- just finally today, uh, there's a closing question for every guest: is um, what's been an experience you've had in your career to date that you're never ever going to forget? Oh well, I mean, it's got to be this, hasn't it? Really, I can't. Yeah. 
you know, like like I keep saying, it does feel like a bit of a once in a lifetime moment. So, um, hopefully, it's <laughs> like I would love to, I would love to replicate the success of this many times over. But like I say, I I just feel like um, there's yeah, there's there's something going on with this play that's just to keep repeating myself like outgrown all of us and now it's just this big entity that we're all working on but is also owned by this incredible community of fans Mm. um so it's yeah it's a pretty unbelievable experience really yeah i suppose i suppose it'll come to an end when new york's over i don't know but no you never know um, that it was you know it's funny i was looking at i was checking my emails before i joined this call and like James sent me the script for this in March 21. So mm. three years deep now of looking at this and thinking mm. about this with at least six more months to go. So it's a pretty epic job, to be honest with you, <laughs> especially because especially we've just got this one piece of art. I was, I was chatting to Susie at the um, awards, actually, and I was saying, I work in a co-working space, and I was saying, I wouldn't, people must look at my computer every now and again and think this guy's just been looking at the same face for three years what's he doing <laughs> so um yeah I don't you know I've had a lot of great experiences in my career for sure like it's not the only one but I don't yeah. think nothing's reached the, this height for sure so mm. it's probably is the most memorable really or it will be will be when it Amazing. is yeah well there'll be plenty more of them to come and I'm sure you know you're doing some fantastic fantastic work and and thank you for sharing it with the world as well because i think you know that the you know your your design like going forward whenever people will see it they'll think of that play and think of how how brilliant it is and so you've created like a like a what's the word you, you've created an image that's going to last for a long time and uh, yeah yes. um Jim, a few years ago the <clears throat> national theater did an exhibition of all of their graphic design history um mm. especially because they're quite interesting because as long as they've been going i think they've only had uh i think it's five or six different creative directors so like people have had whole you know generations of this is how our art looks and it moves on now now it's the graphic design studio that goes under um but what something that i really took home i bought the book for that exhibition as well and like there's a really nice quote in there about how when you create an artwork for a show, it's essentially about selling this mood or this scene. Um, but then it, it also serves as like um, a recollection. So the artwork changes its meaning after you've seen the play. Mm. And then it becomes this like permanent thing that you sort of look at and remember the play. So it's interesting you said that. It sort of ties back into me. The quote's much better than how I just worded it. <laughs> it. It really, really stays with me as a designer when I'm thinking about what what we're trying to achieve when creating artwork. Because, yeah, as, there, there, sometimes it's nice to get a little reveal in there or something, or just, I don't know, it's, it's, nice, it's nice to come up with something that outlives the play, in a sense, mm. that you can look back and be sort of stimulated all over again yeah amazing amazing dude doug thank you so much for today i've really really loved listening to you and it's been a it's been a really really great talk and i've learned so much about graphic design with you in the last last hour or so and it's really opened my eyes to how just just how every facet of a show is important and every component really works together to create something really special which you've which you've done in 
in bucket loads across your career and of course on on primer facey as well so um so yeah so dude thank you so much for today man i've really really loved it um thank you yeah i'm just gonna if you just hang on i'll finish the recording and then i'll say goodbye to you one-to-one but uh guys thank you for watching thank you for listening this has been the uncensored critic podcast and i will be back very very soon and once again doug thank you so much thank you thanks for listening